Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From and Inspired by a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we speak with composer Kyle Newmaster about his work on the CBS series Blood and Treasure, as well as a slew of Star Wars games. Light it up. Anna Castillo was there, Danny, at the pyramids. She found Antony and Cleopatra. Notify the Egyptian Ministry of our find. She had found the tomb right before they were attacked. Take a sarcophagus. Set the explosives. No! She's been taken. I need you to help me find her. The best way is to follow the treasure to Kareem Farouk. Can you call on a favor? Pull a passport for me? Yeah, give me the name. I'll have Yates track it for you. Lexi Vaziri. Tell me you're joking. You have got to be joking. Someone's in trouble and I need your help. Why do you need me? I need someone who thinks like a criminal. Oh, no! I'm leaving a note. There's a reason we were never going to work. There's a thousand reasons we were never going to work. This is a treasure hunt. Less talk, more pass. Farouk Simo is stealing treasure to fund terrorism. We find Cleopatra, we'll find Farouk. Are you at all concerned that we don't know anything about what we're walking into? A black market bazaar thrown by dangerous criminals. No, so for you, just another Saturday night? Soon we all have everything we need for the attack. There's only one parachute. I'll take it. Have you even done this before? No, but I'm pretty sure gravity does most of the work until you pull the cord. You can just hang on to me. You like me better when I'm bad. Eyes up here. Things got out of hand fast. Composer Kyle Newmaster has been a film, television, game, and concert stage composer for over 15 years. His latest project is the CBS series Blood and Treasure, an Indiana Jones meets James Bond meets Romancing the Stone action-adventure drama. Kyle was able to record live musicians throughout the season, a rarity with TV composing nowadays. He's also worked as an orchestrator and additional composer for many films, including uh, one of our most popular episode guests' film, Disaster Piece, and Under the Silver Lake. Additionally, Newmaster has done a slew of work for various Star Wars-related games over the years, most notably Connect Star Wars. It's a fun chat to go through all of his work.
I, I have no idea where I want to start talking with you. So let let's let's just go with uh, <laughs> what Kelly contacted and put us in uh, contact to talk about, which is sure. this show that's running uh, right now on CBS called Blood and Treasure. Sure. I was super fascinated because like the the log line is like Indiana Jones meets James Bond meets romancing the stone. And like, I'm just like, oh man, like if you're trying to like replicate those scores, that's like John Williams, John Barry, and Alan Silvestri. (laughs) Well, you you pretty much just uh, nailed exactly what they asked for. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's pretty, that's how they described it. There's, there's other composers too. And uh, there's a lot of things to cover musically in the show, but yeah, that's, uh, if you had to name three, those would be three really good ones for the sound that they're looking for the show. No, what's, what's definitely. What's so crazy is that like you get like a a a full orchestra for like the first couple of episodes as well as like more for like the last two of the season. That's kind of a rarity for television these days, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, yeah, it is. Uh, actually, the uh, creators uh, Stephen Skaya and Matthew Fetterman they uh, they really love. Uh, if you, actually, if you check out all their other TV projects they've done, it's uh, a lot of them have they go for that kind of classic vibe. And uh, with this one, we really wanted to get the, uh, the classic sound, uh, which you can, you know, you can sort of fake with the synthesized instruments, but it doesn't quite have that magic. And uh, so for me, it's always been important to get as many orchestral musicians or live musicians as you can get on the score. And uh, luckily they were totally on board with that. And then CBS was on board with that. And uh, so we were able to kind of start big, uh, and then throughout the season, we actually recorded a lot of live musicians too. Uh, at uh, a lot of it, actually, at my my studio, which is uh, called uh, Hollywood Scoring Studios. It's a uh, uh, some friends of mine uh, have a scoring stage there, and uh, I've got a composing room there. So we did a lot of recording there, and um, then we did a lot of uh, just you know kind of doing whatever we could throughout the season. Then in the end, we we also ended with a bang. With um, uh, we had a big string section and winds and a little bit of solo brass for the final two. So I think we um, uh, it probably, it's a little more than I think. Then there are some other TV shows doing that now, but it was it's quite a bit for a TV schedule to record like that. Well, I think especially for like broadcast television. Um, sure. Like I've talked with like uh, several other composers and things like that about like and, and like other folks who've worked for stuff for like Netflix. And, right. like, the whole thing about that is, like, when you do something for Netflix, like, it has to sit, like, side by side with literal, like, multi-million dollar big budget Hollywood movies that are meant for, like, big screens and theaters or were. <laughs> um, yeah, right. So, like, you kind of have to, you kind of have to come correct on, on on that level. But, like, TV, like seems to have like really pared back in, in terms of uh like scores for their programs i think they have although i have seen a resurgence lately um this last year or two i've I'm seeing more of that and i think maybe we played a small part in that as well uh and uh, uh really i think it just takes the producers really wanting that to happen and um and and you know both of the creators steven and matthew they they just love the orchestra sound and, and they don't want to cut any corners. So, um, and I like that because that's my whole background is writing for orchestra, and that's my favorite thing to do is getting to the scoring stage. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I was thrilled that that they they wanted to do that and we were able to do that. Now, um, 
given that you've worked like your career has spanned like all of these uh like projects of vastly different scales like everything from like low budget shorts uh to like video games to uh reality television to to uh you know uh cinematic stuff like um like how do you adjust from project to project like that just like like that's sure. that, that seems like that requires a very versatile tool set yeah i think um well i i did i always did really love writing exactly the, the genre of blood and treasure actually that's kind of what uh you know i'm into the epic movies and shows and you know whether it be sci-fi action adventure or horror or even i've worked quite a bit in horror films but then i've i've always uh loved trying to write in various other genres and um uh, I, I come from a, a background actually of playing uh, trumpet and piano. Back in the day, I used to play a lot of piano, but now when I became uh, through college and then professionally, I was playing trumpet professionally, and I was playing in rock bands and salsa bands and funk bands and orchestras and uh, uh, just pretty much everything you can imagine. Um, and so I was always adapting, and I was an improviser. So I think I always kind of liked to be able to adapt to the genre that I was playing and feel authentic. Um, and uh, if you can just bring the emotion to whatever you're doing, it, it sounds it sounds right to me at least. And so when I'm writing, I do the same thing. Uh, you know, in the last couple of years, for example, uh, I did a, a, a documentary called Cuban Food Stories, which mm -hmm. a friend of mine, Asori Soto, uh, uh, filmed and it was in cuba and it's all all over cuba and he wanted to have originally they were going to license a bunch of cuban music and we um eventually realized we just needed a, a score for the entire thing so I, I was able to write in uh traditional cuban style which i brought in a bunch of musicians and um that for me that's always bringing the musicians in is what uh makes it feel right so yeah i like adapting to something like that if i'm working on a romantic comedy i like adapting to that um, but, uh, yeah, so I think it's, my whole career has been as a performer or as a writer adapting and trying to hear it in my head and go for that sound, um, and then bring the emotion to that genre. So, um, blood and treasure though, is like right up my alley with what I've always, uh, you know, what, what inspired me to get into this in the first place as a kid. Well, it seems like that makes you very perfectly suited. Like, I know you were the lead orchestrator for Under the Silver Lake. Um, sure. Which, which is, which is like kind of a really interesting thing because, like, I I, I spoke with uh, Rich Vreeland yeah. last year uh, yeah. when, when it came out, and like, sort of the big deal about it was this was his first orchestral score. Um, yeah. Yep. Having done so much like synth work in the past, and like. Uh, I'm curious as to how, what the experience is like when you have been working in, uh, like, uh, like big bands and composing music for orchestras and things like that. And you're, right. you're then trying to orchestrate from a musician for whom this is his first dipping, yeah, that, like not even dipping the toe in. Yeah. It's like literally just jumping into the lake as it were. He definitely jumped in and he did a great, he did a great job. Rich is a really good guy too. He's a friend of mine and, uh, um, yeah, that project is really interesting because uh, I've known the director, David Robert Mitchell, for probably 15 years. 
and I've worked with him on his film, The American uh, Myth of the American Sleepover, mm-hmm. which uh, did really well. Uh, went to Cannes and it uh, did really well with uh, critics and various film festivals. And um, uh, so I've known him a long time, and he worked with Rich on It Follows, which was a really successful horror film. And they went for kind of Rich's. Uh, of what he what he was known for at that time, which was kind of that elect, electronic um, bra, you know the sound you know the sound I'm talking about. Oh and, yeah. Uh, so he brought that for it follows, and on under the Silver Lake, uh, director David, uh, I think originally had thought Rich probably talked about this had thought it was going to be more of an electronic score, and then as they were getting into it, he realized actually he wanted it to be a little more uh, Bernard Herrmann uh, noir type of a sound and uh they had the time so he brought me on he said hey let's do a collaboration here and so he called me up and asked if i could meet with him and rich and i met with uh them and first time i'd ever met rich probably in 2015 or 20 i think 20 maybe 2015 ish 2016 and um we just started talking about orchestra music you know we bounced ideas back and forth and i love his music uh, for a lot of his video games too prior to that fez and hyperlight drifter and um Anyway, he uh, so we just started bouncing ideas back and forth, and as he wrote for Under the Silver Lake, um, he would just send me what he was working on, and he was working with orchestral samples, and then I was going to uh, suggest things or figure out how to orchestrate them, and so my job was basically to bounce ideas back and forth with them with what he was coming up with, and then uh, I organized with the producers the uh, orchestra like the size of the orchestra and we did a couple days of recording with i think around 55 people which was pretty great um and uh, yeah he did a really great job and uh it was a really fun collaboration because he comes from a completely different musical perspective than i do and we um i learned a lot from him and i think we collaborated well together on that he definitely wrote amazing music and it was fun to orchestrate it and produce it so um that, that was uh yeah i think it was a great great little collaboration uh mitchell mitchell likes to sort of put people into places and <laughs> see what happens and uh it worked out well i think on that one so i i i have to ask um given given sort of your 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 very broad career in the last 15 years i know you've done some work sure. with vitamin records um <laughs> yeah that was my first gig out here actually in la um so what was what was what were you working on with the, was that like the vitamin string quartet stuff or yeah yeah so that, it's funny that was i moved out here in the fall of 2002 and i think i applied for that job it's not really a job it's like you apply to get projects through them and um i got it it was like early 2003 so a few months after i got here and it was basically they would say hey do you want to do a string quartet album of you know, this person or that, or what, what do you want to do? And sometimes I would pitch an album to them. And they'd be like, yeah. So, um, so the ones I did, and it, it was a great learning experience because you had to basically, you got a budget. It was very bare bones. And you said, okay, for example, the first one I did was George Strait. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I had to go pick, I had to go pick the songs and then you had a budget and you had to arrange them, copy, do the copy work, record them, mix them, deliver them the masters all for this, bare bones budget and um then they well they mastered it then um but so i did george Strait, faith hill and then they said what, what do you think would be fun and um i had checked out some fish music at that time and i thought it was pretty cool i was like oh anybody done the fish album and they were like no nobody's done that and so i really got into that and 
that was a huge project. Oh my gosh, that music is so complicated. <laughs> and because uh, you have to transcribe it too, you don't get a lead sheet. You have to actually transcribe the music <laughs> and arrange it. And so that one, I actually, I think I learned the most uh, about recording and production from that album. And that was probably late 2003. Um, was the Fish String Tribute album that we did. And uh, then I did another one. That, uh, it was uh, Santana, <laughs> and I think that was the last one. I, I think that was the last one I did. Um, then I got too busy with uh, film stuff, but um, but it was fun. I, I really really liked working on the Fish String tribute, and I, I gained a lot of respect for their music because it uh, once you put it into string quartet form, it basically sounds like uh, modernized you know, Stravinsky or something. It's, I mean, not quite on that, but, you know, it, it sounds like classical music is my point. Um, uh, but very uh, through composed, you know. Um, and uh, it was fun. It was fun, fun project. So <clears throat> I think people probably um, in, in a, like casual, like non-film TV score nerds are probably best uh, familiar with your work for like a wide variety of video games um and like you have worked on some uh very big projects uh like you've done a lot of work for um lucas what was once known as lucas arts um uh to go all the way back and date myself um but like um, when you're when you're dropped into like the to, to compose music for uh, games like uh, Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings or Star Wars The Old Republic uh, or something like that, like um, are they essentially just being like, uh, please please do your best, John Williams, or or do you have like more leeway in, in, in well, that? Yeah, I mean. Each of those games is a little different. Um, I got into to that. I mean, I was actually additional composer and orchestrator on most of those games. Right. Meaning I wrote some music. And like Old Republic, there were multiple composers. Um, uh, Mark Grisky, I think, was at that time on Old Republic, the lead composer. My, my friend Gordy Hobb, who I collaborated with on films and stuff all the way back to like 2003. Um, and we ran an orchestra together back in the day, too, a 90-piece orchestra. Um, and uh, anyway, we've collaborated a lot. He was uh, working on a lot of those, so I was uh, at first working with him. So he was scoring Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings, and I wrote a piece or two for that. Um, and the goal there was to sound just like Indiana Jones, you know, so basically sound like John Williams. Old Republic, the goal, I think, was to sound like Star Wars, but you could take some liberties because it was from the old Old Republic, old Republic era, which is, you know, way before the original trilogy and prequels, and um, in their canon. Um and uh, so a lot of the music there actually does sound uh, unique and not totally up to John Williams Alley, but a lot of it does. And um, uh, then when we did Connect Star Wars, the goal was to write um, pretty much right in the John Williams sound uh, and, uh, you know, a little bit more of the prequel era, probably. But then there were some scenes that were in classic uh, original trilogy, like there were scenes in the uh, planet Bespin, the Cloud City, um, or, you know, there were areas that we wanted to sound traditional. So, um, so that was like going right for John Williams. And I think, um, typically you're trying to do your best John Williams, but not, you're not copying him and you're doing your own themes and you're doing, you're basically using his orchestrational, uh, tools that you study his scores and you figure out what makes 
what he does, his gestures sound more like John Williams, and then you try to implement that into what you're thinking of. So, um, yeah, a lot of those games were trying to do the uh, John Williams thing. I think they're going a little bit away from that now in the current games, um, but uh, for a long time that was what they were uh, shooting for. Now, like, I, I I have to keep, like, asking this question, and I just, like, absolutely hate <laughs> like asking asking her right now but it seems to be like um what are you working on and like how has the the shutdown uh, affected like what you oh, right. you do um like i guess i guess the question is like how much did you like how much stuff had entered post by b- before everything right. got well, shut down it, it, i got a little lucky with that in that, uh, well, I mean, not lucky, uh, but in that the two projects that I was doing right before it finished right before it. Actually, the day that the, uh, uh, you know, Garcetti came on and said, you have to shut down, uh, and most of the production companies actually said, lock it, no more. We finished a dub on the, uh, I was doing a Hulu uh, horror film um, called Puka Lives for my uh, director friend, Alejandro Bruges. And um, that's that was released in April, and we finished the dub I think like April fifteenth. I'm mean, sorry, <laughs> April March fifteenth, or something like that. And it was like the day <laughs> that Hulu decided to shut uh, production down and all that. So, um, so I had a documentary I had finished, and we had dubbed in January uh, called The Chef's Journey, which is doing starting to do you know virtual festivals. Um, and then I had done this Hulu film, and those ended the day that the shutdown happened so um it didn't affect that it affects everything going forward you know basically um because uh, everything is sort of on was on pause for months so um so yeah it, it didn't affect me pro- i wasn't in the middle of anything but it's affecting everything going forward as far as when things can be finished you know i'm glad you brought that um, up because i almost forgot to ask about puka lives <laughs> oh yeah that's a really fun one actually um i've worked with uh, alejandro on Two other projects we worked together first on abc's of death too um for his segment that's you know multiple short films and that and then we worked on an anthology feature called uh, nightmare cinema and he had the opening film in that they're five 22 ish minute i've uh, seen both of those films. films yes and they're it, great yeah, the directors were great it was uh um him joe dante mcgarris uh uh, uh i'm spacing out here um ryuhei um kitamara and uh david slade and, um, you know, so all doing 20 minute films. So, so that was, um, I had worked with him on those and, uh, this was our first, uh, feature working together on a TV schedule. So it was, uh, really cool to see, uh, to work with Hulu and, and do that one. And it's a pretty epic comedy or <laughs> film. It so. is. Uh, yeah, no, um, what what's interesting is because like it is 100% like a different, tone than the first hulu puka film completely different movie yeah yep (laughs) but it still has that uh, it still they were not attempting to uh jump off where the last one left off it was like taking the idea and letting somebody try something creatively with the concept it's it it seems like um i talked with felicia day and jonah ray both about it um and it seemed like that was like it seemed like it was pretty much fun for everybody who is involved in it was that the the case for you oh yeah I, and I, I did get to meet them too i went to set a couple of times um 
everybody was super nice and um, having a lot of fun. Set, I mean, it was TV schedule. I think they had, I don't, I'm guessing here, but I think it was around 20 days of filming, I mean, for a feature. And so everything was, you know, going quick, quick, fast. But uh, everybody seemed to just be having a good time. And Alejandro does that really well. Um, he, uh, I think he creates a good environment for people to have fun and gets good performances. And um, uh, so, yeah, they, it was, it was cool to meet all them and see them having a good time. And then for me, um, you know, it, it's fun to write bombastic uh, <laughs> horror music. So <laughs> they, uh, it's, it, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was on a TV schedule, so it was fast, but it was, uh, it was fun. So um, what are you working on at the moment? Um, I would say uh, because of those other two that I just finished. So the way my schedule worked was uh, season one finished last summer. I actually wrote a piece for orchestra that I'm actually still finishing um, that's being premiered at, at uh, university in, in Wisconsin. And then, um, and then I did that, uh, the uh, documentary that I, that I mentioned we finished in January. It was a mm-hmm. cooking documentary that'll be coming out. And then the Hulu one, and it was nice to take a little break, even though it was in the quarantine, it was stressful, but it, uh, that is when I would have taken a break. So, um, so season two now is, uh, ramping up on blood and treasure and I can't talk specifics, but I'll <laughs> say that, uh, it looks really great. And um, I'm uh, coming up with ideas and uh, looking at what they've got, you know, and footage-wise and all that. And um, it's uh, and, and it's going to be a really good time. So that's what I'm kind of focused on right now. And, um, um, you know, there's always a lot of little things to come along, too. But as far as the bigger projects right now, it's getting ready for season two, basically. So is that orchestral project, is that going to – you said it's going to be at a University of Wisconsin. Is that going to be UW-Eau right, yeah. Claire, which is your alma mater, correct? Yeah. Actually, it is. Yep, yep. And uh, there's other schools that are going to play it too. I think it was like a uh, they plan on sharing the commission, sort of, is what I was told. So basically, they commissioned me to write it, and I've already written the first half, and they've already premiered that. But I'm writing the second half, and it's based on uh, Wisconsin poetry, um, reflecting the seasons throughout the throughout the winter, basically. And it's a um, it's been a real challenge and a lot of fun, but. Uh, that's going to be premiered in Eau Claire and then probably performed at other schools in the area. And then it'll be published and um, I performed wherever uh, people want to want to perform it. But uh, I've done a lot of that over the years, commissions. Uh, it gets harder as I get busier, but you know, I've written a lot of music for um, different orchestras or big bands or, uh, you know, I kind of fill in my schedule with that. Well, that's fantastic. When I have time. We went to, we went to, we actually uh, on our vacation last year, one of the places we went was Eau Claire. Um, it is oh, a really? Very oh, lovely town. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, would you go in the summer? Mm-hmm. Like, like probably yeah, like two weeks before school started. It's an amazing place in the summer. I mean, for if you're walking along the river or, you know, going for hikes and uh, uh, cool little town too. You know, kind of got that old school feel. Um, oh yeah, and now they've got Justin Vernon from uh, like basically helping revitalize the entire arts community there. So it's. Sorry, say that again. <clears throat> I didn't catch first part. Oh, they have uh, uh, Justin Vernon, aka Bonnie Vare. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Like he lives. I actually taught him <laughs> when I was in college. He was in uh, high school, and uh, I was I was an education major and a performance major for my undergrad, um, and my master's was in composing. But um, he was in in high school. Um, I believe he played guitar and trombone, and he had a band there called Mount Vernon. And my one of my students was the trumpet player. And, co-writer with him and a lot of that and uh 
so I knew them when they were in high school and I had their high school CD <laughs> and I, he was in the jazz band when I was a student teacher at one point in time. I find I think, that, uh, which is kind of funny. No, I think that's great. I think the first time I ever saw Bon Iver was at South by Southwest in like 2008. So there, it was like uh-huh. him and two other people and the, like his second guitarist was actually like a high schooler. He was teaching guitar too. So, uh, right. it, it's, yeah, he, uh, he really, he hires a lot of local musicians, which is great. And they're all, there's incredibly, uh, like amazing musicians around there in the, in the Midwest in general, but in Eau Claire and at the twin cities. So he, uh, he taps into that for sure. Well, I'm, I'm glad we get to have that little diversion. That was super fun. Well, sir, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me. This has been like a real pleasure. Uh, this has been fun. Awesome. Well, thanks. Yeah, we, <laughs> it was fun to talk about a couple of things I had, uh, you know, the, the vitamin records thing. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. But it's, it's fun to think about that again, too. But uh, yeah, thanks for all the, the questions and uh, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Have a good rest of your day, sir. All right, you too. Thanks to Kyle Newmaster for talking with me. His website is kylenewmaster.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Newmaster. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at fromInspiredPod, and can be found on Instagram at fromaninspiredby. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks talking with legendary rock drummer Carmine Appis about his work in the heavy metal horror film Black Roses. Until then, thanks for listening.